You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Hi there, it's Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd. And as we edge closer to Christmas, we were talking on the show about gifts that we really wanted for Christmas as a kid, but never actually got. There's a few sob stories in there, let me tell you. We also spoke to 70s music legend Jimmy Helms. I was over the moon with this interview, and of course he was the frontman of the London Beats as well. Kids App uh, told us a few things that we could get up to over the weekend and throughout the next week with uh, all the family. We spoke to comedian Ross Smith as well, who's part of the Laughter Factory tour heading into December and we spoke R&B with Richie Momo. Very cool guy, very fashionable guy. He was with us in the studio and he told us about his brand new song. Enjoy and don't forget to join me live on the show weekdays from 11, only on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8 We're creeping that little bit closer of course to the festive season and you just tell me a story from them I, I just love this I, I asked you the question you know when you was a kid uh, what did you really want for Christmas but never actually got um, and you came up with this story which I'm loving and I'm putting this out to our listeners as well when you were a kid what did you really want for Christmas but sadly you never actually got it um, for me it was a real action man you didn't get one. You remember the Action Man toys? Yeah. They, they were really cool, but they were a bit on the expensive side. Yeah. So I did get kind of an Action Man, but it was, you know, a, a, let's say um, a little bit of a, a more affordable version than, Shall uh, I get than the you real one. for one. Christmas this year? It, it would be rather nice, yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that's what springs to mind to me, you know, uh, the Action Man. Um, but, I mean, you've got a beauty, haven't you? <laughs> what, what was it for you? So, obviously, as a little girl, I really wanted a dog, and my parents said, no, it's too much hassle, it's too much trouble. So instead, they didn't get me one. They got me two rabbits. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what I used to do with all my friends who were about seven? I used to put leads on my rabbits and take them around the block thinking they were like dogs. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, So you wanted a a dog, but you got two rabbits. I did get the dog eventually after the rabbits died about 10 years later. Yeah, I I mean, I I would have thought the rabbits would be more trouble taking care of than the dog. Ten times as hard cleaning the hatch, eating the grass. They were a nightmare. Oh, well, um, there you have it then. Punham wanted a puppy, but she got herself two rabbits. I wanted a real action man, but I got a budget-style action man. So what did you really want for Christmas when you were a kid, but never actually got? Let's have some fun with this one, guys. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. We're going to go to the lines. Janet joins us on the show. Good morning, Janet. How are you? I'm fine. She's shy. Okay. Well, Janet, tell me, um, what was it for you when you were growing up that you really wanted for Christmas but never got? I think the Disneyland. 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 Ah, so that's what you wanted for Christmas. Um, So you wanted to wake up and find air tickets and (laughs) entrance. Yeah, I wish, I wish. I, I mean, have you ever been since? No, never. You've never been. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I mean, you, you should be writing your letters uh, to Santa now, and you never know. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> um, so, uh, t- tell me where you're from and, and, and your Christmases when you were growing up. I'm from Philippines. Yeah. And, and uh, what was Christmas yeah. like at back 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 then? Because I know you start celebrating very pretty early, don't you? Like three months ahead in the Philippines. Yeah, it's always early there. Yeah. So what did you get for Christmas? What are some of the uh, gifts that you remember that you did get for Christmas? I got 
from your uh, the ticket from I don't know. It's a German concert. Yes, she won that. She won some tickets recently, Janet. Oh, did. Really? I remember. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I think it's that's from your. Yeah, I think you're going to love that. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. enjoy it and let us know, Janet, what the concert is like once you once you've been there. And uh, thanks for uh, your message. Keep those coming in, guys. What did you really want for Christmas when you were a kid? Never actually got it. Um, and as, as I said, mine was a real action man. I did get kind of an action man, but, you know, not the branded action I, one, man. One of my favourite presents when I was little, it was called a Girl's World. And it was Girl's a head, World. a plastic head from the neck up. Yeah. And you, there was like a little roll in, you know, when you roll something round um, and the hair would go short into the top of the skull and right. out and then you put makeup on it and the makeup was so bad my cousin came over and completely made it look like a clown and we could never rub the makeup off again so you, you turn the head round and, and, and the, the hair head, goes so in into the scalp and to you make turn it, it the other way and, and it comes oh, so you could have different lengths of hair <laughs> it was so tacky and i loved and it and i guess you could plait it and and you know yeah you, you could, could do color everything. it i suppose she was blonde it? as well yeah. what a nice gift that is i'm <laughs> loving that one keep your messages coming in guys what did you really want for christmas when you were a kid but never actually got and i'm gonna expand it a little bit as well and uh, tell us um you know what is the most memorable gift that you've ever had for the festive season uh thank you um uh, alan uh, for messaging in I-, I always wanted a bike and instead i got a skateboard at least it's on wheels isn't it oh yeah uh, uh, ended up getting a bike years later uh, but but that but by then I was a professional on my skateboard. Well, so, skateboards are cooler. Yeah, they are very cool, aren't they? Um, they've got got some wonderful desi- uh, designs on them. Thanks for that, Alan, and also Janice messaging in. I always wanted a kid's baking set plus a kid's oven to pretend that I could bake in. Uh, I was six years yeah. of age. It's funny as girls mm. like we like to do all the baking and the hoovering yeah, and the that cooking. when we're little. When we get older, we're like, what? What? <laughs> That's your job, surely. <laughs> Keep them coming in, guys. Um, gifts that you wanted uh, for Christmas as a kid but never actually got. Um, we're going to go straight to the telephone lines and we love having a chat with Finn on the shows. Uh, always kind of interacting uh, with Dubai I 103.8. How are you doing this morning, Finn? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. Great stuff. Now, we're talking today about um, something, as a kid, when we were growing up, that we really wanted for Christmas, but sadly we never got for one reason or another. Uh, I'm I'm almost weeping for you on this one, Finn. Tell me your story. Well, I always wanted a pony, um, but... Uh, but my dad was very good. We couldn't afford a pony, but I, he paid for riding lessons every week. So he was, it was very good. Okay. That, um, so that was kind of yeah. a compromise, wasn't it? Because I, yes, su- yes. I suppose it is pretty expensive to actually own your own yeah. pony, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, yes. You've got, well, a pony would have li- lived out, but yes, they have to be exercised. They have to be fed. And if they're ill or whatever, you have to. Um, it's a lot, know, it's a lot harder cleaning out a horse uh, stable than the rabbit's hutches. That's all I'm saying. Easy. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but he got, he got your weekly riding lessons, which, yes, you yes. know, was uh, yeah. great. And, and I, how, I, how did that yeah. go? Oh, good, good. And I, I went on and, uh, I taught and I had my own horse and worked for show jumping horses. So that, oh, wow. so I followed it for, you know, uh, quite, a, quite a few years. Yeah. So, so them riding lessons that your dad got, you certainly stood you in good stead as it's, uh, you know, yeah. uh, mushroomed into, <laughs> into uh, yeah. almost a career. Now, what's this about yeah. your work colleagues uh, getting you something well, for I, a joke? <laughs> I worked at a veterinary hospital 
And uh, I have, well, we all teased each other anyway. I mean, I'm very guilty of teasing lots of people. Okay. And um, I've got three, I had three cats at home and I thought it would be fun to, we all had like Secret Santa. So we had yeah. all our names on all these different presents. Okay. And my name was on this big, this cage. And uh, so it, like they came and gave the presents round and I looked under it and there was obviously a live bird in it. And the photos of the horror on my face are just <laughs> because my cats would have loved it but um yeah so it was all, it was all a joke but gosh it was very um it was quite horrific yeah. at the time <laughs> i don't know how i would react if somebody gave me a bird in a cage for, for yeah christmas i, I had a budgie once as well and it flew away <laughs> <laughs> your budgie flew oh, away because i yeah. opened the cage yeah Oh, yeah. well, uh, that's a nice story. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know uh, what what happened to the bird in the bird cage did it kind of well, stay in the veterinary it wasn't, it wasn't, it was actually uh, someone's bird, you know, they just used oh, it as a right. joke for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it went back to it its original yeah. home. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, luckily, very luckily. <laughs> well, Al Finn, thanks for sharing yeah. your story with us, uh, as always. Wanted a pony, but never got one, but got free uh, weekly uh, riding lessons from her dad. And the rest is history. Went on to have a career um, mm. in the veterinary world. Yeah. Thank you, Jono. Um, you messaged in saying uh, it was I was really good for a whole year, got great grades at school, and my parents got me a PlayStation when I was 12 years old for awesome. Christmas. Yeah, PlayStations, especially when they first came out. They were I, I thought that absolutely huge. The PS1 I bought for my daughter, and I couldn't stop playing. Really? Yeah, my brother was obsessed. Yeah, uh, but you um, had uh, another kind of gaming experience, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I'm yeah. not a gamer. I get really bored after five minutes. But there was one game back in the day yeah. on the Commodore 64. Yes, kids, you'll have to research that. And they had a tennis game, two lines on either side, and just a ball going back and forth. I was obsessed with that yeah. game. Did it have that? Yeah. I'm watching it now on YouTube. I'm like, I really want to play it. (laughs) So that was uh, pretty much the limits of your your game. That's it. I get bored. I remember the first one that really, I wasn't into them, but the the Space Invaders, they used to have kind of stand-up machine Space Invaders. Yeah, um, I remember that. In arcades and various places. And uh, I just love playing that. Yeah, the, I think, the old version of it. Do you know, it's funny, I was watching um, a show the other day. Um, It's a a read... it's called Selling Sunset. I love it. It's all about flash homes in LA. And she was showing a home which was selling for millions. And the guy said, who's the owner? And she said, he made his money from gaming. Really? Really. I mean, the mm. amount, like if I'd known back then, just sitting <laughs> in front of the screen. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for that, John. I'm glad you got your PlayStation when you was 12 years old. Uh, we've got Alexandra joining us uh, on the line. Good morning, Alexandra. How are you? Uh, good morning, Mark. Good. Good to have you on the show. So tell me your story. Um, what did you want as a youngster, uh, as a kid, but never actually got? Yeah, I always wanted to have a Barbie doll. Um, however, I never received it as a gift. As in uh, back in 19th, uh, in post-Soviet countries, it was uh, not available in the stores. Uh, that's why I've never had it. Oh, we're, we're weeping for you here. I mean, I, I feel like going out and buying one and sending it to I'll you. I'll get you an action year. man. You can get a Barbie doll. <laughs> I mean, what were what was some of the presents that you do remember getting, even though you didn't get a Barbie doll? Uh, you know, what uh, what did you get? Uh, yeah, it's just chocolates, uh, some 
this kind of stuff. And I remember how I was crying when I opened the gift and I found the chocolates and not not the Barbie. I'll tell you what, we're going to have a whip round the office, I think, (laughs) and and get get you a Barbie. I mean, have you ever owned one since, Alexandra? Uh, Well, I have now two daughters and they do have Barbie, but I'm not interested in it anymore, unfortunately. (laughs) So the daughters have, have, have got uh, have got the Barbies. I bet you sneakily na- every now and again go and play in the Barbie house. Maybe one day. Alexandra, thanks for joining us on the show and uh, a happy Christmas uh, to you. Thank you, Nada, for your message. Um, I always wanted a real-life magic kit <laughs> because I loved doing tricks. And today I'm still pretty good at pranks as well. Thanks for that, Nada. And we're going to go to the lines where Grace joins us on the show. Grace, how are you? Hi, Lloyd. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good, thank you. Good How afternoon you? to you. I'm very well, thank you. So what was it for you when you were growing up, something that you really wanted for Christmas but you didn't get? Yeah, there was a time, one Christmas time, that uh, I really wanted the shoes because most of my friends are having this uh, branded shoes, something like a sneakers. I forgot the brand already. Okay. But then, of course, the reality is we are not so well off. So uh, my mom is budgeting the money because she's a single mom. Okay. And so she told us, you have to choose only one gift for this Christmas. Yeah. Like either you want this dress or these shoes. So even if I want the shoes, of course, I had to let you go because I think I need that dress at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not so nice. Uh, sorry, but of course, that's the reality. Yeah, that was... Re- what you want always. The reality of life, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it was yeah. a good lesson in some ways. I mean, have you gotten that that brand of shoes since, since you've started working in the UAE? Yeah, I did. Uh, once I got my first paycheck. <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing that you bought, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that I bought. I think we had it in our in ourselves, right? That uh, the things that were really wanted, and then once we're able to buy it ourselves, then we buy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Grace, thanks so much for your call. Um, and uh, I'm so glad that you managed to get those shoes in the end. Odilon messaged in saying, Hi, Mark and Poonam. When I was a little boy, so many decades ago, <laughs> I always wanted to have these for Christmas. A Doctor's Playset, Marvel Comics, and the Voltus 5 Robot. I never had that chance to get these. That's why when I had the money working as a science, scientist researcher in university, uh, these are the first things that I bought for myself. I love Odlin. Isn't he the one with the insects? Yeah, he's an insect he, man. He's a yeah. geek through and through and I love him. He knows all. He's yeah, so fascinating. He knows everything there is to know about dragonflies and other kinds of insects. He's, he's a superstar. Thanks yeah. for your message, Odilon. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye. 103.8 Gonna make you an offer you can't refuse Gonna put my finger on you Cause I need you so And I won't ignore all an answer In my life I've had a time Had to fight for what was mine And I don't intend to lose my crown Every time I look at you And the beautiful things you do Every single nerve in my body says Hold it down So now I'm putting about the fever Word like what must be, must be Didn't you know that you belong to me? Gonna make 
I never say a thing I mean that don't come true. Believe me, I don't wanna hurt you, but my heart won't set you free. Surely you know that you belong to me. God, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Gonna put my finger on you, not a puppet thing. Well, what an incredible song and an even more incredible voice. Going to make you an offer you can't refuse. I grew up in the 1970s and that was definitely one of my favourites. And I can't believe I'm actually talking to Jimmy Helms right now on, on the show. Jimmy, welcome to the Airwaves of Dubai. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, Mark. It's, uh, it's good to be... Uh well, it's good to be speaking with you, and uh, I'm honoured that you called and asked for the interview. It's a pleasure. Right then. I, I mean, I, I, first of all, I just want to tell you, Jimmy, how I kind of got on to this um, interview. A couple of colleagues of mine on another show had played the London yeah. Beach song, and uh, this gentleman called in the radio station and said, that's my dad. So um, <laughs> my my ears pricked up, and um, they said... <laughs> Sorry, he didn't leave a name, did he? <laughs> uh, well, he said, um, th- and they were chatting, he said it was a guy called Jimmy Helms. And, and they'd played this London beat song. And suddenly my ears pricked up. Jimmy Helms, 1970s, going to make you an offer you can't refuse. And I said, seriously, is that the same guy? We did a little bit of digging and found out that it was. And, um, yeah, once again, really happy to have you with us. So you've got a son out here in Dubai, Jimmy. That's right, my son, uh, Gavin. And uh, he's been out there for a good while now. He's... Uh He's pretty well uh, uh, transplanted, as you say, might say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's been there for a while, and uh, he's obviously loving it. I, I've been out a few times in Dubai, and uh, I can understand why. It's a great place to be. It certainly is. Now, just take me back to the 1970s, uh, Jimmy. Um you know, I was thinking of, of the big songs of that time. Billy Paul, me and Mrs. Jones came to mind. Um, yes. The, the David Ruffin and the Temptations music, Lou Rawls, and yourself with that an amazing tune. What are your memories of that particular era, Jimmy? It was a magic time. I had not uh, been very long in the UK. I'd arrived from uh, Boston, USA, uh, and uh, it was... It was a magic time. Uh, uh, all the things I'd heard about uh, the music scene in the UK, 
turned out to be true because uh, it was it's like a melting pot. It still is. And uh, I arrived right in the middle of all of this wonderful music that you just described. And, uh, and oof, boom, it was... Uh, it was magic. That's it in a word, in a nutshell. It certainly was, and it was magic for the people listening as well. So tell me how you got to get this great song, Gonna Make You an Offer You Can't Refuse, because that really cemented your career, didn't it? It did, absolutely. Uh, I had been, as I say, I, I was based in Boston, USA, traveling everywhere around the USA, doing television, doing a lot of things, but uh, that uh, elusive first breakthrough record had not happened yet and i was looking for it hungry for it <laughs> i uh, got a chance to do a, a, a music festival a song festival in athens uh, and uh, on one of the judges on that festival was a man named les reed yeah who uh, was responsible for all just about all of the uh, tom jones stuff and the other green green graph of home all of those uh, wonderful yeah. songs yeah and there uh, he gave me his card and said when you're uh, when you're next in england <laughs> i've never been before <laughs> uh, look uh, give me a give me a shout and uh maybe we got some songs for you that phone that 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 business card led me to a man named john wood who wrote the song going to make you an offer you can't refuse and uh the rest as they say is the rest uh, it was a, it was a lift off for me i mean as a as a natural song it's it's such a beauty but it's demanding to sing i think because you've got a lot of falsetto in there as well jimmy yes <laughs> yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it pushes that range yeah it does it did. Uh, some uh, i i make the joke that uh I have to be careful because sometimes I need a ladder to reach those notes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how once you recorded it, Jimmy, how did your life change? Well, a, a long story as short as possible. We made the record, gave it to the record company, and they said, "No, nah, this is not the one. Go back in and do some Broadway show tunes." <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a history that uh, a lot of people in the in the best positions uh, of, uh, of making those sorts of decisions are the last ones to see the the, the wisdom of uh, something that's that's got a chance. Put it like that. So we we we, we finally got the record released, and uh, this was about this time of year, I guess. It was coming up to Christmas of that year. I went back to the states for Christmas. And while I was uh, uh, having my Christmas holidays in the U.S., I got a phone call from uh, a man named Mike Moran, who did the arrangement on yeah. Make You Off You Can't Refuse, saying, hey, guess what? You know, they're playing the white label of Gonna Make You an Offer. Tony Blackburn yep. has made it his record of the week, and the record was not even pressed yet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, he had made it his record of the week, uh, Scurrying around in, in in London, trying to get the the, the record pressed up and ready because uh, uh, Tony was already already playing it uh, on sort of like high rotation on his morning show, you know. So that was my uh, that was the lift off to uh, everything that came after. I arrived back in the UK, got in a taxi to get back to my flat, and uh, boom, there it was on the radio. So <laughs> what a wonderful world. <laughs> What a wonderful re-entry that was. It was like coming from space again. I bet it was. Because, I mean, Tony Blackburn, he really championed soul music, didn't he? He loved American soul music, American soul voices. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, every time I've ever been anywhere near his company, I've, I've, I've given him my gratitude for that because he, just as you said, he, he did so much for 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 our kind of music uh, in the UK. And uh, uh, can't say enough great things about the man. Wonderful. So I'm guessing, following that radio, um, you know, he's from Tony Brightburn. That what followed was Top of the Pops, and um, you know, tours, and and suddenly you were, you know, you, you'd found that record that really broke you through, Jimmy. Yes, um, I remember doing Top of the Pops. Who was on the show? Uh, I did it twice. I think we're going to make it off. Uh, I think the first time uh, Cliff Richard was uh, there. Uh, uh, Mark Bolin was there wow. doing some 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 of it. so so it was woof, it was heavy company to be in. Uh, <laughs> I was touring mainly up and 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 down the UK and did some uh, 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 television radio uh, uh, things in uh, around Europe, and uh, it was it was just magic magic. I uh, keep saying that word, but yeah. that's the only word that can come up with to describe it. I mean, we've talked about that era. We talked about Billy Paul and, and Lou Rawls. Who were some of your favorite singers of that period that maybe you, you know, kind of uh, really admired? You touched on uh, uh, some of my, my most favorites already. But uh, Levi Stubbs. Yeah, Four Tops. The, the Four Tops. That, that voice, that voice uh, that just like uh, the thing about uh, uh, Levi and people like Marvin Gaye is that they had this ability to, to to transition from one voice from one sort of range of their voice to another yeah and and it was without without people wondering well who's that you always knew it was Levi you always knew it was Marvin Gaye and to be in the company of those people uh, sitting side by side with him on on, 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 on in the charts, for example, is, uh, is a dream come true. It's what everyone who, who aspires to music, uh, that's what you hope for. And for you, to have that come true, is a, it's, it's a blessing. And uh, I'm honoured to have been there. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye, 103.8.
We are talking to Jimmy Helms here on Dubai I 103.8. Fantastic singer. Now, Jimmy, I must say, um, coming to the London Bee era, I didn't know that it was you. <laughs> Much as I'd admired and followed you in the 70s, I didn't know that you were the voice of, of London Beat. So um, tell me how that all came about. <laughs> For a minute, I wasn't sure it was me either. <laughs> Because I say that I say that in just because um, I did not aspire to be uh, part of a band. I've been parts of bands. That's how I got started with singing what we call close harmony groups back in the states, yeah. school, etc. And uh, 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 that's why the the connection with all of the you know the Temptations and all of that music is uh, it's it's in the genes, you know. But uh, I had not. Uh, as I say, I wasn't looking, I wasn't searching to be a part of a band. Uh, I was looking for material, uh, songs to, to record. And I got a phone call. Uh, this was, uh, we've, we've moved on a few years on from, from going to make you an offer now, obviously. Yep. So uh, I, I was uh, looking for songs. I had, in the meantime, to keep uh, body and soul together, you know, we we, we we did things like backing sessions for other people, recording yep. sessions, just about the, the, the gamut of uh, 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 people who were around recording at the time. The three of us singers from London Beat knew each other from, from a long time. Uh, from the days of Gonna Make You an Offer, for example, we knew each okay, other. Okay. So uh, we had that connection. We knew each other's voices. We were doing recordings, as I say, backing vocals for other people. We, we had done this one television show. I believe it was The Wire. The Wired. Mm-hmm. Wired? I think it was Wired, excuse me. Uh, up in Newcastle, I think it was coming from. And I had arrived back home from doing this TV show. My phone rang, and it was. It turned out to be the the the, the guy who played guitar, the guitar player from from London, William. We call him Willie Henshaw. He rang me to say, "I got your phone number from the record company, and uh, wanted to know if you guys would like to get together and write some songs." So that was my that was the end. Uh, the entry into uh, the beginning of London. We three singers got together with Willie Henshaw. Uh, with the idea of writing some songs together to see how it went and if we could push some songs around to other artists and so forth. And uh, it turned out, hmm, uh, this is getting a bit more interesting. We got a publishing deal. The publishing deal turned into a recording contract, and we got management with uh, uh, Eurythmics Management. Okay. So uh, that connection all happened fairly, fairly quickly. Uh, and, and, and for... Well, the three of us uh, singers and Willie as well, we, we looked at each other and said, well, uh, <laughs> let's make something out of this, you know. Yeah. And so that was a turning point for my, as I say, for my not really being that interested in being in a band, wanting to be a solo artist, to finally arriving at a situation that almost like spoke for itself and said, tap on the shoulder, uh, yeah, you better go with this. So there it was. It was the beginning of London Beat. Yeah, and uh, of course, I've been thinking about you was a huge, uh, huge hit, big success uh, back in uh, in the, the 1990s. Um, I want to ask what what you're doing now. I mean, are you still um, kind of involved in music in any way, or are, are you retired? So tell me about Jimmy Helms in 2021. Okay, I guess in a nutshell, uh, any 
truthful person in this music business will tell you, I think, that you don't retire from it. <laughs> yeah, you, it never leaves you. You know, you, once you're in, you're, not, you're, you're never out. Uh, I'm, these days, with London Beat is still uh, alive and kicking. Uh, you know, with the COVID situation, uh, it's impacted us, yeah. like all bands, uh, severely in terms of travel in terms of doing live shows, etc. But we're recording, we've got new material uh, ready to come out. Um, I'm doing so, uh, stuff here in my home studio here in France. Uh, and uh, so it's an ongoing process. It never ends, uh, thankfully. You know, that's one of the wonderful things about this business uh, of music is that uh, you, if you've got the inspiration to do it in the first place, that same instrument, Inspiration, sorry, that same inspiration uh, drives you onward, and uh, you can't uh, you can't walk away from it. Yeah, you can't <laughs> stop it. Uh, so, are we going to see yeah. you in Dubai anytime soon, uh, Jimmy? Any plans to visit uh, visit your son here? Well, for sure, uh, it's been a while now. Uh, we mentioned earlier, you know, the whole uh, situation that we're well aware of with COVID and that, and yep. how it uh, impacts travel and so forth. But I'm hoping to get out in the new year. Hoping to get out in the new year, and uh, it will be. I guess the next time I came to Dubai would be maybe the fifth or sixth time because we have we've done shows there and things. Yeah, uh, I've been out on holidays with my son Gavin and. Uh, so, uh, yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll definitely be coming out. And uh, keep you posted. Maybe I'll give you a shout. Yeah, definitely give me a shout. You got. I've got to get you in my studio when uh, when you're actually in town, Jimmy. It's been an absolute honor for me to talk to you. One of my favorite voices of all time. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you in Dubai once again. And really do appreciate you giving us uh, some time to have a chat. Thank you very much, Mark. And I'll send you some tracks when we've got some new stuff with London Beat and solo, whatever. I'll send it to you. You can do what you you, what, what 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 your heart tells you is good or bad about it. <laughs> I'd be interested to hear your opinion. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy Helms, once again with us here on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're welcome back uh, into the show, Lunch with Lloyd, through 2 o'clock. Uh, now then, there's plenty of comedy um, in town at the moment with uh, The Laughter Factory. Uh, they're going to be, let me see, on the 15th at Zabiel House by Jumeirah. That's over at the Greens, of course. The 16th at uh, the Grand Millennium in Barsha Heights and at Studio One Hotel as well on the 17th of December. And we've got a comic joining us on the line right now who's part of that tour. I'll say good afternoon to uh, Ross Smith. How are you doing, Ross? All right, Mark. How are you doing? Very, very good, sir. So uh, you've come to be part of this tour. How's it been going so far? Yeah, it's been great, man. It's been uh, it's been brilliant. We've done a couple of shows now and um, just been exploring Dubai, and it's amazing. Is it what you expected, Dubai? <laughs> it is nothing like I expected. It's like Sim City, the video <laughs> game, but it's come to life. Yeah, Sim City. That's a, a good analogy. So, tell me about yourself, Ross, and how you became a comedian. Because it, I, I can always never get my head around this. That first show, stepping on stage, wanting to make people laugh. How did it happen for you? Oh, it feels like so long ago now, to be honest, mate. Um, it was about seven years ago, and I think I'd, I'd been through a breakup. And uh, I thought, right, well, I'll try all the things I wanted to try. And I've always wanted to try comedy. Yeah. And, um, and, it, was, and it was great. So I just tried it for the first time. I got very drunk. And then I went on stage in London. 
and then I never look back. You never look back, which um, is is brilliant. Now, uh, uh, tell me what style of comedian you you, you are, and uh, you know um, the, the, the kind of material that you, you like to use. Um, I like to use everyday stuff from my life, um, but I'm kind of a self-deprecating comic, um, one-liners, and also um, a lot of crowd work, a lot of interaction with the crowd. I like, you know, finding out about people, finding yeah. out their stories. So it's, uh, it's different every night, which is what I like. Yeah, and of course you, you get a different crowd, a lot of different nationalities here as well. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure, you know, um, that is quite challenging, is it, for a comedian, or are you, are you relishing it? Oh, no, I'm relishing it. It's great. It's great because everybody's got a great story over here. Everybody's got... Um, I'm very jealous of a lot of the UK people I've met who've moved over here because it seems just uh, like a kind of utopia in a way. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the most standout gigs that you've done, you know, in your career so far? I think you've done stuff at The Fringe, um, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, what, what are some yeah. of the big gigs that you've done? Um, I've done some of the, Yeah, I've done two Edinburgh shows at The Fringe. Um, but I've gigged everywhere in the UK, really. Glasgow, Edinburgh, um, Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, London. Um, I've gigged all over the place. Uh, but Edinburgh is uh, probably the biggest gigs I've done. So that is a whole hour. Right. Now, tell me about life as a professional comedian. Uh, you, you mentioned all those different places. I'm guessing there's a lot of mileage involved on the motorway. So, you know, what's, yeah. it, what's the daily kind of a routine like for a comic back in uh, the UK? Right. The daily routine of a comic is wake up about 11 a.m. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then um, you find out where you're gigging. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's normally for me, get a train or a coach um, or drive up to the gig. Yeah. Go there, perform for 10 minutes. It could be in Leeds, it could be in Hull, and then, um, and then get back on the motorway and see how many of them are closed. And, and, I mean, and, and you're living in London, so, uh, it, you know, it's the, the length and breadth of the country, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's up and down. But that's that's part of it. You know, it, it gives a lot of time for reflection, a lot of time for funny stories. On yeah. the, could be on the megabytes or could be on the coach. So it's, uh, it, it's not bad. I could be working in a factory. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what about writing your, your material? I mean, does that come spontaneously at any time? Or do you actually sit down and set time to write out new material? Um, different comics do it in different ways. But for me, what I like to do is stuff happens in life and then there's a great app on your phone the notes app and you just um you just write whatever happens in there or if somebody said something funny and then um you'll sit down later and you'll try and flesh that out but what i like to do is to write it on stage so uh if something funny has happened to me then uh i will be talking about it right um and, and tell me about the uh, the actual tour itself because i know there's two other comedians alongside you um you know how's it all been going between the three of you Great, yeah, really, really great. There's um, there's Chad Elsner and uh, Chaz Elsner, sorry, and um, Brad Upton, and they're two um, Vegas comics. They're 30 year veterans of the game, and they're they're brilliant. I'm learning so much from watching them, and we all give a different flavour, you know. Yeah. So I've got the self deprecating English comedy of talking to people and having fun. Yeah. And then um, Brad is very sort of uh, you know, these great stories about life and his experiences. And then Chaz is um, very, very upbeat and uh, a lot of sort of sound effects and energy. And it, it's, it's just an all-round experience. It's a lot of fun. It's a really, really good show. And I encourage everybody to come, come along. You, you sound so enthusiastic about your career. I mean, can you see yourself doing this for the rest of your life? Is it something that you want to be, you know, doing for many, many more years yet? 
it, it is it is definitely something. It, it's the only thing I can really do, Mark. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? The only thing that you can actually do. And what's the plans for the rest of the year once you've completed this tour here? Uh, the plans for the rest of the year. There are Christmas gigs back in the UK. Um, so they are the time of the year where everybody who uh, hasn't been out all year maybe goes out with their work party and gets very drunk and yeah, does a gig, yeah. which is a lot of fun. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and then it's uh, go home for Christmas to, uh, to my parents' house and enjoy that. Good for you. Well, it's been great to catch up with you, Ross. Um, I know you're, uh, you know, really... Um, a big part of this tour, and uh, once again, th- several gigs going to be happening. 15th December, Zabiel House by Jamira at the Green, 16th, the Grand Millennium Barsha Heights, and 17th at, at the Studio One Hotel in Dubai. Lots of packages, DJ on there as well, and uh, you can get all your information that you need and pick up your yeah. tickets at thelaughterfactory.com. Anything that yeah, you want to get up to? Gig, yeah, go on. Well, after the gig, there's, um, there's also a, um, a yeah, DJ and pool party, which is great, so that, that means that everybody can meet and Mingle, which is brilliant. Um, but yeah, they're on the laughterfactory.com, and I'd encourage everybody to come over because if you're if you're missing British humour over here, then then come and watch me, and hopefully I can bring some. Yeah, we'll get a smile on our faces with Ross Smith once again as part of the Laughter Factory tour for uh, December. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd on Dubai I 103.8. Yes, and welcome back to uh, the show on this Tuesday afternoon. Great to have your uh, company. Now, I'll tell you what, our next guest certainly looks the part when it comes to uh, R&B rap. He's, uh, he is the man, uh, Richie Momo. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm blessed. Yeah, look he at, even look sounds at like it. he's got his shades on, guys. He's got necklaces on, <laughs> a funky shirt that Mark would wear. He is looking the part. Definitely. Yeah. Well, welcome, Richie. Thank you so much for coming in Thank to see you for us. Having me as um, well. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I know Punam has uh, interviewed you in the past, but it's the first time for me. Yeah. So tell me about your your roots, your background, and uh, how you got into the music business. Yeah, I was doing music when I was little. You me like. When I was little, I was starting making music, and I love making music as well. Yeah. So I love being tr- creative as well. Get me. So, but still, I was in Nigeria before I went to UK. Yeah. So I went to UK when I was little. Okay. So, um. So you grew, grew up with the London kind of uh, music scene. Yeah, vibe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what did you listen to back in London? What kind of artists? Yeah, I was li- I was listening to the Afrobeat. No, like. You so know, it was still kind of linked to Nigeria yeah. in many ways. The mm-hmm. whole Afrobeat style. What? It was still linked to your a yeah, lot of yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, so one thing about music and in Africa is that the sound is different, and uh, is our all when it comes to the culture, when it comes to the African thing, you know, we are blessed with the tune. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you are. I mean, totally. did did you learn instruments, or um, you know, did you kind of learn drums or anything like that? Yeah, not really, but. I just like making music. <laughs> okay. So, I like singing. So how do you do it then? Is it Do you get beats? Uh, yeah, I get beat, but I like sound. Yeah. I make music with sound, any kind of sound, but it depends when you little African thing, like Afrobeat. Right, so you de- you kind of download different beats. Yeah, and, yeah, and put it together. Put, put, put yeah. it all together. And do you write the lyrics yourself? Yeah, I do it myself. So what inspires you when you're writing? Is it personal, personal experiences? Yeah, sometimes you're like... Um, I sing according to things around me, and uh, so you're yeah. gonna do one about me and me and Mark <laughs> in your next track, yeah? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's gonna be the next big release, isn't it? <laughs> uh, now your latest one is called Special Woman. Yeah, uh, tell me the story behind writing this. Yeah, Special Woman is just that. Um, 
getting to know a girl, a girl that I want her to be in my life as a be part of me as well. Like I mean, so you know, it's just a part of relationship that I want to build for myself, and I want to keep going like lead to marriage and that. Okay, that's yeah. deep. Let's have a little <laughs> listen, shall we? This is special woman once again from our special guest, Richie Momo. <laughs> What a groove. Tonight. You know, the, the last time Richie came on, there's this thing that he does. I don't know if it's an Afrobeat thing, but it's definitely a Richie Momo thing. He goes, oi, oi, in his songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, nice, nice piece of music, special thank woman. You, um, I mean, are you constantly writing? Is there more to be coming up uh, later on this year or maybe into next year? Yeah, I got some couple of songs coming with uh, Colabo with a lot of people as well. You get me? So, I got a new tune I want to drop like. December twenty fifth. So oh, Chris, on yeah. Christmas Day, you're going to yeah. drop a new tune. Yeah, and is, is it a Christmas a- song? No, <laughs> no. <Nah, nah. laughs> <laughs> and is that a collaboration with with yeah. someone? Yeah, with someone. Right, you're going to tell us who it is. Dubai as well. Oh, right. Mm. So, I mean, how how different do you find it making music in Dubai as opposed to you know growing up in London with the London scene? Yeah, you know, are, are you enjoying Dubai? Uh, is it giving you inspiration? Yeah, Dubai is a vibe, and uh, I just like Dubai because you know it brings people together. You know, it get people connect, and a lot of people meet people as well. You know, what I mean, from different countries, different uh, nation, whatever thing. But we meet in Dubai. But still, one thing about Dubai is that the Afrobeat is really selling in Dubai. And that's I know. What, I mean, they recently had an, an African they've festival. They've had two yeah, yeah, yeah. massive festivals yeah, in the past. Festivals. Yeah, two months. Yeah, it is crazy big. Yeah, it's very big, but. I just like the vibe here. And, uh, so you, you know, need to be at one of the festivals next time performing. You need to get on the stage. Yeah, I have that belief. So, yeah, why do you think Afrobeat is so, so popular here? What, what, what is it about it? On my own, I just think that, you know, Africans have their own way of creating things, you know, making things happen where you don't really expect it. But African beat is like, it's a different thing. From mm-hmm. all that people, but you, you can see now the um, what's it called? The Arabic people are liking the Afrobeat. Yeah, you know the um, there's one of my boy from Nigeria. His name is CK. 
He dropped a new single and uh, it's very popping on TikTok, whatever Oh, platform. yeah, it's massive CK song. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Wow. You'll know it when I play it to you. Yeah. Not Calvin Klein, then. <laughs> Not that CK. It's another CK. <laughs> I yeah. mean, who are some of the artists that, you know, when you were younger and growing up in London that you really admired and, and listened to? Um, yeah, I can't really see it right now, but people that really inspire me on the on this Afrobeat thing, this is Whiskey. Whiskey. Yeah. yeah, big Wheezy, yeah, big up to Wheezy and uh, Bonner Boy. So that the big thing when it comes to the Afrobeat right now. Right. And so, how are you going to be spending your uh, your festive season uh, out here? What are you going to be getting up to for Christmas? Yeah, I'm going to be, you know, spending with people I love and uh, trying to create more things. You know, make it move for my own lifestyle. Or the 2022, but I'm coming big. I yeah. believe myself in it. Tell me about your clothes, man, because uh, you're one stylish dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mark loves his fashion, so he'll be after that shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can, when you leave, just leave the shirt behind. You know <laughs> yeah, I actually saw this um, this shirt on Snoop Dogg. So that's no. Oh, really? It. Yeah, you can see. Uh, I got a picture as well, so. If it's good enough for Snoop, it's good enough for our, our friend Richie, you know, isn't it? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, Richie, thanks so much for coming in and, and having you. a chat with us. And uh, next time you, you new release, we'd love to uh, hear it as well uh, yeah, once I again. Will. I will. Don't worry, I'll be back here soon. <laughs> for cool. Richie Marmol there once again live thank with us so in our studios here at Dubai I 103.8.